Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. I met my favorite author, and she was like, how do you pronounce your name? And I said it was Keith, and she like looked at it, and then she took a picture, and she said, could I name a character <gasps> after like, oh my your God. name? Oh, wow, that like, would be so I was cool. like, oh, my God. And then I became, like, the weirdest fangirl ever. I was like, oh, my God, I would die. It would be so awesome. But what if your book really favorite sucks? Nothing she writes sucks. I like everything. Oh. Well, now if there's a character named Keith, you know where it came from. Right? It came then from Then there will you. be two Keiths in the world, a fictional one and me. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> I think it's an awesome name. I would totally have named my child Keith. Just because, well, Ron would have never let me. Yeah. But. I mean, at least all these millennials have weird ass names now. Like, not millennials, like the Gen Z people Gen, Gen are getting X, weird ass names. So Gen at X least celebrities had weird names like Scout and Rumor and... She's not Gen X. She's like a millennial. Apple. Is she really? Yeah, because Demi Moore is probably a oh, Gen yeah. Xer. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't know about Bruce Willis. I don't know how old he is. No, I think he's old. <laughs> he looks like he's about 90. Of course, no. he is ill, so you can't really... I know he's not 90. I think he's like What's 68. What's wrong with Gen X names? We're Gen X, aren't we? That's what uh, I said. I, She's thinking I was millennial thinking and Gen Z Gen names. Z. I was going to say... Millennial... I Which mean, once is millennial before Gen Z? No. Yes. Sorry. Okay. So well, millennial. I it was millennial names. then Gen Z. Is right. Gen Z after Gen X? Gen Z is after millennial. I just said oh, it okay. wrong. All Megan right. is a Megan is a millennial, and then but my kids are yeah. Our Gen kids Z. are Gen Z. Yeah. Oh, They're not okay. millennial. Right. Okay. Where was I? <laughs> my thought patterns are just askew now. Askew is a good word. I love that word actually. Askew. If I was a sex, sex operator, I would try and say askew often. Really? I don't know. I don't How know would what you say that in means. a sexy way? I don't oh, know what askew no. means. I means just think it's off a cool center. Word. Oh no, um, my bra is askew. Honey. <laughs> my panties are askew. <laughs> I like it when you take off your pants and then you get a little skewed toward my center. So fucking awkward, Keith. That's awkward. That's hard to put it. That's awkward. Awkward thing I think I've ever heard. Damn it! I like when you take your pants off and your member is askew. (laughs) If if you want to hit just the right spot, you need to be a little askew. Did you say a skewed? Uh, yeah, and then no. I thought, I don't know that you can use a skew in a past. No, I don't think you can. Shit. I think it's just the one thing. Make up my own fucking word. You could. My own definition. From now on, askew means 12-inch ding-dong. Ta-da! Askewed or a screwed? (laughs) I'm going to get a screwed from using the word askew. That that sounds like a guy with an accent. We we going to a screw? (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) What? Where is that foreigner from? I have no idea. But for some reason, that's what I thought of when you said it. Yes, my mind is askew. I thought you were going to say yes, mom. And I was like, don't even, don't even call me your mother. (laughs) No, not going to go there. So we're, we're time traveling today. We haven't done this in a while, but we had to do it this time because so many of us are going to be gone at the same time next week that we finally just gave in and decided to pre-record this show. Because those assholes, Keith and Pat and Martha, all wanted the week off next week and they're jerks. (sighs) So Martha was... Sorry, you're going to Minnesota. Minnesota. Yep, I'm going to Minnesota. I'm traveling to the Wyoming Pop Culture Convention. Woo! I will be selling my husband's books, and the the big the featured guest is French Stewart. 
Who's yeah. French Stewart? Oh, from Third Rock he from the Sun. Third Rock from the Sun. Oh. He was a crazy looking one. Oh. He's pretty funny. I know who that is. Cool. He like has yeah. like very small eyes. He does. Very yeah. squinty he eyes. He squinties. Okay. You know what? I totally forgot to mention. Yeah. Not to change the subject or anything. Yeah, sure. Fine. <laughs> I forgot to mention that when I was traveling the last time, mm. when I was on my way to Wyoming, I listened to Ron's second book. Cool. Oh. So I had Pat and Ron in the car with me for not being backseat drivers. I think I finished it before I got to Cheyenne. Now, did you have an advanced copy of the Audible book? Well, is it out yet? It is out. As oh, a cool. Fact. Yes. yes. Yeah. So we need to make sure that people know that Ron Richards' second novel, which is called Group Six and the Crater, is out. We just found out today. I, I checked my local library's listings, mm -hmm. and his books are now on the shelf at Natrona County Library. Nice. As well they should be. So, yes. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, every time you say Group Six, in my mind, I think it's, it's about group sex. sex. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I totally uh, thought the same those, thing. Yeah, Google, Google searchers will get group sex. If you, yeah, you have to really say, no, I really mean group six. Yeah. 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 You should just look up Ron Richards. Yeah. There's no S <laughs> on the end. No Richard. Yeah. Well, I, see, it I was really... his, this is apostrophe. Oh, Richards. I was meaning Ron no. Richards's book, Group Six in the Crater. Yeah. And the the audio was excellent, done by both Pat and Ron. Yay! So that was really super awesome because I got to spend all that that time with them in the car, listening to their listening own voices. to the book, and I just thought it was excellent. When we're done with this podcast recording, I will go back to uh, going through proofreading and and doing all of that stuff that I do for him before the third book in the series. Ooh, what's that? Do you have a name? Do we know Group Six and the Imperium? Group Six and the Imperium. Mm, Imperium. The Imperium, which is uh, kind of a lot like the Roman Empire. The, yeah, I think I remember the Trescans from our game. Mm -hmm. And since that's written now and getting ready to get prepped and ready for uh, for release, he's currently sitting out in the living room working on Book Four, Group wow. Six, and the. Dragon's Graveyard. Ooh, the, the Dragon's, Dragon's graveyard. graveyard. I love that. Yeah. Does he know how many books it's going to be? As long as he said, it depends on how long he lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, writing them forever as long as he lasts. Well, so. the the backstory to that is that Ron had a lung transplant, and they told him that he was only going to have two years. What? And he's what on year ten now? No, uh, six and a half. Year six With and a half. Go Ron. Yeah, so so yay for organ transplants and thank you everyone out there who has signed up to be an organ donor. If you aren't, you should be. It's a it's a fine thing to do with your That's I am organs. signed up to be an organ donor. So my faulty lungs will be going to some poor bastard. Your lungs aren't faulty. Yeah, they are. I'm a bit on the asthmatic side, but I mean, oh. I'm sure it would be better for someone that has no lung at all. It's not like you smoke yeah. like eight packs a day or No, anything. I did not. I, I'm actually fairly healthy, but. Yeah. So, and even if for some reason they can't use your lungs, there are lots of, I mean, we all have lots and lots of parts that can be reused. Your corneas, yeah. your heart, your, your liver, kidneys, kidneys your... skin. Okay, so speaking of that. Since we since we managed to light on organ donation, Ooh. I read a book this week, which I can't review because Martha has already reviewed it. Martha, oh, you bitch! The, How long ago? No, no, and I knew I knew that was the case. I was just looking for a thriller online that, that was an audio book because I had a bunch of chores to do and I wanted something to listen to. And I listened to a book called Lock Every Door, which is about a oh, girl that was who gets so... a job as an apartment sitter. And it turns out that the building is, at first you think it's haunted or there's a devil worshiper's cult or something, but it turns out that they're kidnapping these apartment for, sitters and using them for their organs. Yeah. To, oh, yeah. The people who that was so there. good. But, well, it was, it was really good, except you get to the end and you find that out and they're like doing these organ transplants in a suite that's obviously in one of the rooms of the of the apartment building and now that i have had an up close look <gasps> at how many people and mm. all the technology that is required to care for someone in the weeks after they receive an organ transplant 
it really made me go, oh, it made me kind of roll my eyes and go, okay, you know, points for not, for, for taking us in a direction we weren't expecting, no points for something that could actually be realistic. <laughs> right. Just going to happen that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, most of us wouldn't know that. I didn't know that when yeah. I read it, so. How about we go towards books? Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Bonnie. Books? Bonnie what? looks like she's about ready to fall asleep over there. I didn't give her any caffeine when she got here. And it's very hot. It is hot in here. I'm just looking at recipes. <laughs> I know nothing of what you guys are for talking what? about. For what? What so. are you looking at recipes for? I'm just looking at crockpot recipes. Mm. It's too hot to turn the stove on. It's getting hot in here. And uh, my so air... Put the in the crockpot. Right, <laughs> and my air fryer had a uh, oh, a no. recall on it. It they just randomly catch fire, so I had to send over for a new cry- air fryer. So I'm without an air fryer right now. You know, I've had two air fryers that I had to send in for recalls. Like, w- what's with the air fry- fryers? Like suddenly just catching fire? Because I think they're just poorly designed because they wanted to get them out there. Well, well, you know, if you watch This Is Us, you know that the real problem is in those faulty crockpots. I mean. You think? Yeah, I don't watch that. I don't so have I a have recall no on my crockpot. You know pot. what? Honestly, the only episode my my family and I watched was the like the one where the father dies. And he dies because the house catches fire because of a crockpot that has a faulty wiring in it. Oh, well, Jesus. that's kind of scary since I turn my crockpot on and go to work. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. But I've always done that, and I've very rarely Everyone come home that. to a fire in my house. So. Right. I've never. Well, that's have. the whole point of a crock pot. You set it, and you forget it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. It's a good thing those things aren't getting recalled like air fryers. Holy crap. Yeah. I think they just rushed too soon because it was so popular with the one company, and then everybody else was like, "Oh my gosh, we better, we better copy this." So you have ten thousand Chinese air fryer designs all coming out like crazy to try to capitalize on that right yeah but they're so convenient uh-huh. it's so awesome to just you shove don't have a couple to... of pieces of pizza in there well not even just that like i do drumsticks in there i've done a uh, pork roast in there before I've done pork chops. Pork chops are delicious in there because it keeps steaks. them very moist. Oh, my God. Steaks are amazing in the air fryer. I haven't tried steaks in there. I have never done oh, that either. Homemade French fries. Yeah. Now, nice. you can bring French fries home because you know how gross they are, like, when they're uh-huh. cold. Oh, uh, yeah. You can stick them in the air fryer and they taste just as good. Yep. My family does mm-hmm. that all the time. I couldn't believe that it was true. Ron did it one day and was like, holy shit, that really works. Game yeah. changer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But the craziest thing, though, on this recall that I had for the air fryer, and I just kind of blew my mind a little. You had to send pictures in because everything was, you know, over email and so on and so forth. I didn't actually take it anywhere. And so you have to, like, cut the cord. Was it a cursory? Yes. That that was mine, too. And I was like, why? Okay, so I'm cutting the cord. And And then when I submitted the pictures, they were like, um, you need to turn it like more to the right and then resubmit. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, they accepted my pictures. But what blew my mind is they're like, uh, don't throw away your air fryer until we confirm that your recall is accepted. Accepted. Yeah. And I'm like, I just cut the cord, bitch. It's not like I'm using it. <laughs> well, I think they'll probably do that because they don't want it to catch fire and you to sue them later right yeah no but you've already mm-hmm. submitted a picture where the cord is cut and they're telling you don't throw it away yet it's like well, i obviously can't use it i'm not gonna like strip the wires down and re wire it i'm gonna it. sell it at my yard sale <laughs> wrap it up with some electrical tape yeah that's probably what they don't want you to do is sell it at your yeah, yard sale yeah yeah i didn't even think about that but that is yeah Without the cord, yeah, <laughs> right? Be like there it's you like, go. It's like good luck. People and their baby stuff. I mean, they if the car seats are Recall? recalled, yeah. they'll just turn around and sell it in a garage sale. Well, Why would you do that? You should never buy a baby car seat True. at a garage sale. True, right? You shouldn't. Although I get why people are tempted because holy crap, Everything why are car seats so, so expensive. Expensive. They are expensive? I mean, I love my baby, but three hundred dollars for a car. 
car seat. I have to evaluate how much I love my how car. How about if I just wrap? I'm just going to wrap you up in a pillow and put you in the trunk. You know, I, right. I, I, I watched a wrap. YouTube video on how to make a sling out of duct tape, and I've been using that in the car. It works pretty good. That duct tape's strong. It'll do anything. If you tape them to the seat, they're not moving. That's right. Just make a sling goes over the back of the seat like that. You know, you just put the kid in the middle. Perfect. And if you wrap them up in bubble wrap, then it's extra protective. That's, That's right. right. Yep. And and plus, it's an entertainment on the side. Because <laughs> they can pop the <laughs> bubbles while they sit inside the bubble wrap. When they've got all the bubbles popped, uh, you know it's time to stop driving. Please, people, you know we're fucking joking. Don't do this. You wrap that Don't bubble wrap this. thick enough, you have your bottle propper right there. Yeah. <laughs> Prop that bottle right up. You don't even have to stop. Yeah, our kids lived. It's fine. <laughs> oh, my God. So, do you have any car seats in your... No. <laughs> no. Any any uh, surprise? Air air fryer fires. Air, air fryer fires. No, no air fryers no. don't catch fire. It's the crockpots. No, it's the air fryers. Well, that the catch air fire. fryers they recall them because they randomly catch on fire. Oh, but there <laughs> might be an air fryer in the front yard rusting oh. in my main characters. Okay. Yard. Okay. Now I'm intrigued. Because you got a trash panda. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're not going to say trash panda. We're going to say raccoon. Lower, lower class. Uh, lower, uh, lower on the economic scale. Gotcha. We're being politically correct because we're cool that way. Well, politics do come into my book a little bit. Oh, my gosh. No. All the spoilers. Yeah. I read Groundskeeping by Lee Cole which is also not a historical fiction. Holy shit, and two in a row? Not even an autobiography. <laughs> what? It is a complete fiction book. Dude, what have you done with Vani? <laughs> well, I needed to like take a break and clear my head after reading, you know, now that I'm rereading the Pillars of the Earth series. Oh, God, that's right. You had to have a little light reading on the sides. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> After throwing babies in the river for I was just gonna twenty four hours, I needed to read something else. But that doesn't necessarily mean this is a happy book. Well, oh, we can't completely not. go off off brand for Vani. I mean, come on. I mean, you would think aliens invaded my body for real. So this book is about an ex inspiring writer who moved from Colorado after being a little down in his luck and living in his car to his grandfather's and uncle's house and he lives in the basement um there's a college nearby and he takes a job as a groundskeeper at this college well i mean he's young he's about the same age as the college students so you know he goes to a few parties and very early in the book he meets a girl named alma who is a writer in residence at the college. So she's, I don't think she's actually a college student. He also starts taking classes kind of on the side and kind of starts a relationship with Alma. It's a little rocky at first. He meets her, he likes her, but then he doesn't see her again. And when he sees her again, she's actually at a party with one of his friends that he works with named Casey mm -hmm. so so you know awkward this book is a little bit slow it's not a real fast-paced book the whole time that all of this is happening in the college this is also in 2016 so great year 2016 right mm -hmm. and which is another kind of undertone of the book it's not the main focus of the book but it's a, a undertone that comes up quite a bit because uh of course 2016 is when trump was elected just in case anyone doesn't remember that right we're and trying to forget bonnie the main character owen his family is very christian very republic mm. and very much in favor of trump gotcha 
Owen is not a big fan of Trump. And that comes up between him and his family a few times Mm. in the book. And then also Alma is a Bosnian refugee. Mm. I don't know if she is from Bosnia herself or if she was born in the United States, but her parents are definitely from Bosnia and fled Bosnia because of war. Right. Um, They're also, when they were in Bosnia, they were a doctor and a dentist. So when they come to America and establish themselves, they're a little well off. Mm. So another thing that's an undertone for Owen and Alma is the fact that Alma's family is more upper class where Owen's family is more working class, Mm. we'll say. Owen's grandfather, his favorite person in the whole world is John Wayne. (laughs) Worth mentioning. Pretty cool. Well, I mean, John Wayne wasn't the best person in the world, but, you know, it makes me think of my own family, to tell you the truth, because my grandpa loved John Wayne. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Alma and Owen have issues, mainly because of the different ways that they grew up. Alma has never been to a Walmart before. Casey takes Lucky Girl Alma to Walmart for the first time, and Alma is freaked out because they sell guns at Walmart. I was freaked out when I found out they sell guns at Walmart. It's like as if these people need any ideas. Yeah, right. It definitely has the feel of the political unrest in 2016. You can sense when you're reading the tension and depression of a lot of the different characters when Trump gets elected. And it basically separates friendships. Right. Like one person said, well, you didn't vote for him, right? And he's like, well, I'm not going to tell you the way that I voted. So, I mean, there's a dead giveaway right there. And Mm. boom, I mean, wedge right between them. Which happened in real life, too. I mean, I think we all know people like Mm -hmm. that. I mean... and. That's really one of the reasons why I read this book. Um, I wish it was a little more about the political unrest and a little less about the relationship between Owen and Alma. But I also did really, really like how the difference of class came up. The fact that Alma grew up, I don't want to say rich, just grew up in a better financial situation than Owen did. When Alma finds out that, you know, when Alma finds out that Owen was basically living in his car in Colorado before he came to Kentucky, she's really put off by that mm. because, I mean, she doesn't know anything about it. She's never been that poor. Right. So you can really see the difference. And I guess I kind of connected that with that because I know people who are really well off and me growing up the way that I did in a lower economic class (laughs) I mean they don't understand there's such differences and you just sense it you just don't even Mm -hmm. and it's not that anyone is trying to be rude about it you just don't even understand right you don't even know what you're saying is wrong and there's a lot of that in this book I still would probably only give it a four or four and a half just because I wish there was more of that in the book and a little less romance. Mm -hmm. But the writing was fantastic. Um, I like that they touched on all of those topics because they're not topics that you really read about a lot. And it was very truthful and raw in places especially when it comes to Owen's relationship with his grandpa. He loves his grandpa, but his grandpa is so different than him. Mm. You know, he's, you know, in what, angelical Christian? Evangelical. Evangelical Evangelical. Christian, very Republican. His favorite person in the whole wide world is John Wayne. And Mm -hmm. just, you know, Owen is so completely opposite from that but it was it was good I really 
enjoyed it. Um, it's not a super short book. I think it was like 13 hours. So it's kind of a medium mm-hmm. book. And uh, yeah, it, it wasn't bad. It was pretty good. I mean, I still enjoyed it. I didn't ever think about DNF in it. So. Cool. Even though I'm only giving it a four, I still loved it. I just wish it moved a little faster and four had a still little more. Four is pretty good review. Dude. Four is yeah. pretty good. I, I review, most of the books I review are a four. Oh, I'm a little loosey-goosey <laughs> with my stars. <laughs> and that again is called uh, Groundskeeping by Lee Cole. Pretty decent book. Cool. Awesome. Okay, well, it, it's interesting. My book, I mean, I see a lot of similarities with Vonnie's. Uh, the book I'm reviewing is called Kyland by Mia Sheridan. Now, my book is more romancy than hers, but it also takes a look at uh, a very impoverished town. And uh, this town is in the Appalachian Mountains of a very small town in Kentucky, and it is a mining town. The difference with these characters is both of our main characters are very impoverished. Tenley is our leading lady, and she, they uh, both of these kids are 17 and 18 and in high school. They're both in their senior years. Kyland is our hero, I guess you would call him. They become friends, like they know of each other, but they become friends in a really kind of strange way. Strange to me, I guess, because like Vonnie was saying, there are some things that you, if you haven't experienced them, you really don't understand them. And they're, for lack of a better word, they're meet cute. The way they kind of find out about each other is that when they go to school, that is the best meal that they have, is the lunch at school and the breakfast at school that the school provides. And Mm. it's after the weekend and it's Monday morning and Tenley is kind of looking around the room because even though the town is is very poor, there are obviously some people who have more money than others, and some of the kids have like not drunk their milk or left an apple and thrown it in the garbage. And Tenley's kind of watching the room to see where she can find extra food, and she notices that Kyland is doing the same thing, and he never used to be like a food picker. And she kind of, and then she realizes and she thinks about it. And the year before, there was a huge mining accident. And unfortunately, as often happens in these mining communities, I mean, the families weren't very well taken care of. His older brother and his father both died in the accident. And now that source, the only sources of income in his family have dried up. So. He lives in a house, not a great house, but I mean, they were always, they were one of the families that did okay in the town. On the other hand, Tenley lives in a very beaten up trailer, um, very high into the mountains. I mean, she walks three miles a day to go to school. And her, her father is out of the picture She has an older sister who works full-time as a waitress in town, and her mother is very mentally ill, and because of their situation, they do not have the money to keep her on meds or to even see doctors that could prescribe the kind of medication that she would need to live a productive life. So they just live in fear of when their mother is kind of going to go off the rails and do something that could harm herself or do something that embarrasses them or um, just is completely out of left field. And so they both have this very tenuous existence and they basically are just living to get out of the town. And the only way out of this town and out of this life, I mean, everybody just ends up in the town because nobody has the resources. But the the mining company has one scholarship per year for the um, the highest grade senior in the graduating class, and they give a full ride scholarship to any university of their choosing in the state. And that's the only way anybody ever makes it out of this town. And Mm. both of them are 
are in the it's basically between the two of them oh that's sad so they they start off with this friendship based on the fact that he is kind of new to being super poor as a pair as opposed to just not having much money and she's giving him tips and things like that um and they both realize that they should not have a friendship with each other because one of them is going to get left behind and one of them is going to be really upset when this scholarship right is given to the other it's it's it was this really amazing story because i mean mia sheridan doesn't sugarcoat i'm it was so out of my wheelhouse i mean I know what I think of as people who are poor. And this was this whole new level that I'd never thought about. Um, and just the way that they, each of these kids worked so hard. And I mean, their chances to work so hard to not be guaranteed even a, like a decent chance of getting out of town mm. and changing their futures it's heartbreaking but it's a really beautiful look at the way that they try to keep their friendships intact and i mean there is i kept hoping that i don't know this year they'd eat there'd be two scholarships no that's Mm. i mean that's not what happens and so you 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 take this ride and you get to see exactly how it the fact that they're both trying so hard and are doing so well in school it nurtures their relationship but it's also the one catalyst that's going to destroy ultimately their relationship um i mean i bawled (laughs) i bawled at this book um but i mean it was a really amazing look at at these teenagers and then uh, I mean it follows them into their adult years as well um and it was just this amazing look at these tiny towns that I mean basically the nation has forgotten about I mean they they don't have missionaries coming out to help them I mean they don't have they don't have any of the things you think about they don't have there's not a shelter anywhere where they can get I mean it's this tiny town and they're just on their own. And even geographically, it's just so hard for anyone to get into this town because they are deep in the Appalachian mountains. But I mean, it was this amazing story. I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, enjoy is probably the wrong word. I mean, because it really was like just soul wrenching at parts, but um, I really recommend it. And that was Kyland by Mia Sheridan. That sounds depressing. Yeah. It was it was pretty depressing. <laughs> I'm really, not gonna lie. I really kind of surprised that <laughs> two, every once in a while a, I got two a in read a row. The angst. Two in a row, right? Yeah. Yay, Vonnie! We're bringing down a room together. <laughs> bringing down the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully Pat will bring us up to the up to the stars. No, Pat, don't well, do it. Well, not necessarily. No, uh-huh. because I I read. I read a book called The Annual Migration of Clouds by Premi Mohammed. This is a dystopian future, so we're not bringing the house up. Oh. <laughs> She's shoveling the dirt into the hole that That's we just right. dug. Damn it. <laughs> the book centers around and is told from the point of view of Reed, who is a young woman, a teenager, in a society that has been ravaged first by climate change and then by a fungal infection that has followed on the heels of climate change. Uh, This is set in Canada, I believe in Alberta. Climate change has ruined the food chain. People are starving to death. Basically because of climate change, uh, industry has fallen apart. People are, are still living in the old cities and the old towns, but there's no uh, or very little instances in which people have power anymore. Uh, they're living with, you know, oil lamps and candles and and getting by as best they can. 
and society has also become very insular so that uh, this community, I'm not sure they ever even give it a name, but this community where Reed and her mother live is pretty isolated. They do have a school though, and as part of an exercise in one of the classes, they send out applications to a university that supposedly still exists somewhere. Although no one is really sure whether that's something real or whether it's just kind of a rumor that's going around that mm -hmm. somewhere a university is still functioning. Well, Reed gets a message from them that says, you have been accepted. You have to be at this particular uh, pickup point because there's no general transportation anymore. Nobody has vehicles. But somehow they're gonna they're gonna arrange to pick her up. She has to be at sort of the outer limits of the territory that is controlled or friendly to her little town by a certain date, which is a few, I think two or three months in the future. So she's she's going, well, this is this is her one chance. This is her potential ticket out of the grinding poverty and the illness that she's stuck in. But she's also the only one that her mother, who is aging and not well, can depend on. So does she go and take her, her one shot, or does she stay and care for her mother? Plus, Reed is also and already affected by uh, CAD. It's an acronym that stands for something, but I forget what, which is the fungus that in has infected people after this. It's not quite as virulent a fungus as in The Last of Us. It's, it doesn't like take you over in 20 minutes, but it exists. They can see it. They can look at their hands and see the blue lines under mm. their fingernails where the fungus is. And the fungus, seem it has, while it doesn't completely run them, it is very self-protective in that it's Sometimes, not always, but sometimes it seems to be to have a sentient awareness of what its host is doing. And if its host is doing something that is potentially life-threatening to them, to themselves, and thus to the fungus, it will stop them. It will oh, not it will send them cool. it, will, <laughs> it will send them into seizures almost that keep them from doing whatever it is that might get them killed. Smart little fungus. Yeah. So the story really is it's not it's not a fast-paced story it's very much a character character exploration of reed as she tries to make this choice between taking care of her mom and taking her one shot which may or may not even exist maybe the university is a myth maybe she i believe she told them in her application that she was suffer that she had cad but they you know would they actually truly really admit her when she gets there and they and they say oh yeah look at your fingernails you've got that stuff this is not a long book in fact it's technically speaking it's a novella it's a little under 200 pages if you're listening it's less than 4 hours <laughs> but a very good exploration of her state of mind and what she's what she tries to do to make the choice easier for herself how she deals with it without giving too much in the way of spoilers i will say that this doesn't this is not a book that ties everything up in a neat bow there are still way different ways that it could go at the ending and i was i was looking at some stuff online and found an interesting definition well people were debating whether this book belongs in the sci-fi category or in the literary fiction category so it's very it's beautifully written it's very very nicely written and they said while both of them, both of those genres can deal with speculative questions, if it's truly genre fiction, genre fiction like sci-fi or thrillers or whatever, tends to tie things up. Your questions, by the end of the book, your questions are answered. Uh, literary fiction is more likely to leave things open-ended. Why not literary science fiction? Well, right? and that's what they said, is people are going to try and basically <laughs> hang that that tag on it, uh, hmm. kind of in somewhere in between. But I thought that was that was an interesting way of, of drawing the distinction that'll, and I think it's true, not always true, but a lot of genre fiction does like to tie things up neatly, unless it's a series that's intentionally leaving something open to be 
dealt with in the, the next installment. Very well written, very thought provoking, but like I said, it's not a fast mover, but it's also not a long book. So if you're if you're in for something that's thoughtful and isn't going to take up more than about four hours of your time, then I would highly recommend The Annual Migration of Clouds by Premi Mohammed. And no, after reading the book, I still have no idea why it's called that. That used to drive me crazy is that I would read the whole book and be looking the entire time to see where yeah. the title came from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, oddly enough, my book sort of does tie in with this theme that you guys have unintentionally put together here. It's like bummer day. It, yeah, well, it, it, well, yeah, kind of. Because my book takes place in a small town uh, and there's a tragedy involved. So I'm going to take that and run with it. The book that I read this week is called Dirt Creek by Haley Scrivener. And it's a debut novel and an Australian author. So the book is about best friends, Esther and Ronnie. So you, most of the time, those are the two characters that you see. I think the thing that I disliked about the book is that there were chapters that were written. At first, you think that it's, I don't know. I, I, thought, I thought it might have been kids who'd been kidnapped or something because it was, it was the, um, they would talk in a we we did this, we saw this thing happening in our town type thing. Mm -hmm. And it, it was almost like you expected at some point in the book for that to be other kidnapped kids or dead kids, or I don't know what the hell I thought. But when I finally found out what it was, I was kind of put off by it. Um, but I'll explain the rest of that later. Ronnie and Esther are, I think, 12 years old. And they're best friends, and as best friends that are 12 years old do, they do all kinds of stuff together. And Ronnie really looks up to Esther because Esther's brave, and and she feels envious because she has a big family and she has her dad there. She's always, her mother would never tell her who her dad was and so on. One day, Esther... Ronnie says goodbye to Esther. Esther goes one way to go home and Ronnie goes the other way and Esther disappears. Hmm. So the book mostly is taken up by the search for Esther. And of course, it being a small town, there's a lot of rumor. And of course, people look at each other differently when they think someone might have committed a crime and right away or nearly right away they arrest Esther's father because they find one of they find a school shoe in his car oh yeah and they said that it was Esther's so they take they haul him off to jail of course being a parent myself the first thing I thought was oh that's somebody else's shoe <laughs> you know you just yeah. As a parent, you know, having a single shoe in your car is not that unusual. It happens. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I immediately thought that was ridiculous. But of course, when something like this happens, people panic. Mm. You know, they need to have it solved right away. They need to know who to look at in order to feel safe. So there are a bunch of other things that you learn throughout the process of this. You learn that... Esther's mother has this friend who is sitting with her, th their best friends. And I can't remember what her name was right off the top of my head. But she, the day before, comes over and is visiting with Esther's mother. And she tells her something about her husband. She tells her that when she was in school, that her husband was part of a group of boys who gang raped her. And I don't think she did it with the idea that, I mean, it was more like, yeah, this happened to me and I've kept it in for a long time. But, you know, she notices that her friend is very uncomfortable around her husband. And I think it comes up in that way. And 
it obviously that creates a lot of weirdness and then esther disappears and so now esther's mother doesn't trust her husband and she thinks that he was this horrible person because he did this other thing and so there's a lot of tension surrounding this in the meantime ronnie who's esther's best friend is trying to figure out what happened and her friend lewis I thought this was interesting. They included this storyline in here because Lewis is a young boy in their class. And all of a sudden, one day, kind of out of the blue, the boys start calling him names and and disinviting him to hang out with them or to play football with them. Football meaning soccer. Right. And and he doesn't understand why, but of course you realize the reader realizes that the boys are starting to sense that he might be gay. So he, you know, he he sits with the girls a lot at this point because the boys don't want anything to do with them, and so he's a part of the group because of that, because he sits with Ronnie and Esther at lunchtime. Well, as part of the investigation. Obviously, people want to know if they've seen anything or noticed anything different. Lewis, on the day Ronnie goes missing, is with his other friend who doesn't tell any of his friends that he's hanging out with Lewis. So they're walking home and they're in this wooded area they call the creek. And they kiss. These two boys kiss. But while they're there, they see this girl who looks like Esther and this bald man in the woods and they're looking for a dog. So Lewis is freaked out because he wants to tell what he saw, but his friend doesn't want anybody to know that he was with him. Right. So you get that Mm -hmm. whole thing. And Lewis's dad is a total prick. Mm. I mean, like a horrible, horrible person who beats his mother and, that's a whole thing so you have this it's almost like it's almost like peeling back the skin of a small town and looking underneath because the investigation just brings up all this stuff now if you if you had removed the weird chapters with the creepy kids or whatever from the book entirely it would have been perfect that was the only thing that I it, it like took me out of the story every time there was one of these chapters. And I was like, I really don't quite understand what this is. And when I found out where she was going with it, it totally put me off. It was like, that was completely unnecessary. The story was so good. Her voice was so strong. You know how when you read a story and you're just immediately sucked in? Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. author's voice was so strong and the way she told the story was so compelling. She didn't need any of that. So that's the only reason I'm not going to give this book five stars because I think that it was such a great story. I loved it, but there's that little thing off to the side, which was those weird chapters. Um, oh, and... I think the name of the town is Durton, but they call it Dirt Town. Huh. And it's like their little, um, right. you know, everybody has a, a weird, noxious name for the town they grew up in. Right. Or most do. So there were a lot of like um, interesting side quests type things as you kind of get in a small town. Right. But. It was really, really good. And I recommend it. I would only say that try not to get distracted by this extra thing because it doesn't mean anything. At the end of the day, it it doesn't mean anything. And as long as you stay focused on the story, you're going to enjoy it a lot more. And that was called Dirt Creek by Haley Scrivener. We all had kind of the same vein almost. Right? There was poverty and small town in every one of our books today. Mm -hmm. Well, mine was college town. I don't know really how small. Mm -hmm. 
I'm and that's yeah. because it was actually theme week. No. Yeah, right? <laughs> Quick, let's come up with Yeah, this is retroactive theme week. <laughs> meaning none of yeah. us none of us intended to have <laughs> this be about it. But it was all we around did that school. On purpose. We're so school. smart. Yeah. True, <laughs> We're so true. clever. Yeah, really. We are oh, clever. The cleverness of this us. is psychic theme week. <laughs> <laughs> we all had the same idea. We were all reading the same kind of book. We just didn't know it. Next week, we're going to all read about rich towns. <laughs> <laughs> Except we're not doing a podcast next week. So. so therefore, it would be a psychic pretend podcast next week. Well, no, this, w- this one is next week technically so that's the next true week so after, the week after true. that see y'all aren't time traveling like i am i'm like fully enmeshed that this is next <laughs> week already come on people so you're, you're heading to the next next week well i so don't think confusing. my next book is about rich people <laughs> you know i'm not surprised i feel like you never read about the rich you are so anti-rich no <laughs> You got to read about what you know, man. <laughs> she she reads about the rich people's maids and and servants, right? And so the rich because people there's are like not the enough evil background. Well, they kind of are yeah. in some cases. I gotta tell you, there is way more rich people in romance than there are poor people. I mean, because seriously, all you have to do is put a billionaire in there, and I mean. That story just right. Well, itself. I mean, you know, actually, this might be kind of about rich people because Yay! it's an el- eligible bachelor with a quick-tempered and quick-tempered physician in Cape Town. So that almost sounds like a romance. Dun 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 dun. Uh, it might be. I Yay! see. Okay, I looked up a list <laughs> and I put a bunch of stuff on hold from this list. And I don't think it was a historical fiction list. Oh. Wait, what's the list called? Is it called Books That Will Make You Cry? Uh, it could have been. <laughs> I can't remember what list I looked up, but that would be something I would probably... Books That Will Scoop Your Heart Out With a Spoon. <laughs> and Feed It To You. <laughs> no, those are your books. Oh, that's called horror. That's right, horror, yeah. Horror <laughs> books. It's been a while since I read a good horror. No, that's not true. I read a good horror book just a few weeks ago, didn't I? Yeah, the Kingfisher book, right? Yeah, that. God damn, that was a good book. <laughs> what, what was that book that you were talking about? Um, was it called "They Come for Us"? What? Uh, no, that sounds creepy as hell. No. <laughs> is that um, never is uh, they come somebody, for us a good thing? Somebody watching a uh, porno. They come for us. A group watching. Oh, a God. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Vonnie gave me an eye roll. That was cruel. <laughs> it's not a dirty book. Come on. There's nothing wrong with that. Although it's a haunting I might not bring knife oh. sharp story of self-discovery. Hmm. It might even be poignant. Oh, God. Why'd <laughs> you have to bring it to that? See. Unless, of course, it's moist self-discovery. No! <laughs> well, moist self-discovery might actually be a porno. Yeah, I think that would be a yeah. coming-of-age story. Okay, but no, you but... all have to stop saying both of those words because it's freaking me out. I don't like sorry, it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. It's sorry, just something sorry. I'm trying to figure out. No! <laughs> I only read about it. I don't like talking about it. I love having you right here, Keith. It's just so much more fun. Because when I'm at home, I can wash out my ears and pretend I don't hear you. Yeah, that's true. For those of you who don't know, Keith does not live here. She lives in Pennsylvania, and we rarely get the opportunity to be in the same room with her. But when we do get the chance, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And you celebrate by grossing her out. Yay! (laughs) We celebrate by making her not want to come back. (laughs) She's like, I don't know what the fuck I see in these people anyway. We're just trying to treat her like family. (laughs) Because that's how we roll. Yeah, if they didn't do this, I'd like come out more than once a year. And then I wouldn't be able to afford it. Like, so (laughs) I come out, they like gross me out. And I'm like, okay, I'm good for at least a year. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done for now. We need to make a trip to Pennsylvania. I think it's our turn. 
Yeah, sure. We'll have to take Everybody our hoodies and sweatpants. It's cold up there. Yeah, yeah no man. Shit. 65 degrees? Yep. Jesus, that's winter here. I know, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's how, like December. Yeah. I don't know how you guys are going to survive because it rains all the time there. And you guys always are like, I don't know. It's raining. It's going to be out. hard to drive. And I'm like, oh. Well, that's only because You're all gonna die. people in Oklahoma don't know how to drive when it rains because yeah. it doesn't happen very often. The people in Pennsylvania might be all right. Oh, well, yeah. Because, I mean, if They'll they didn't looking- drive in the rain, they would all die in their homes. They'd be looking at our license plane going, God damn, Oklahoma drivers can't drive in the rain. Yeah. It's rained here almost every day. All of June. Mm. Yeah, I know, because it ruined my fucking vacation because everything was too green. The whole, all the soil was covered up with this annoying fucking green grass. I couldn't see any of the rocks. It was disgusting. I hate when there's green grass. Martha's I mean, so come weird. on, Mother Nature. <laughs> Jeez, Damn give it. me some dirt and some rocks. That's what I go there for. Get what is all this? Flo- <laughs> we need all a this nice foliage drought. anyway. I want the land to be decimated. Come yes. on, everybody! Drought, drought, drought. <laughs> I'm, I'm missing my workouts because I'm used to dragging big long hoses all over the yard to get the gardens watered. It's like I don't have to drag any hoses around. I can just oh sit my on my gosh. butt. So you're turning into a slug now, huh? Yeah. Pat, how did you get so out of shape? Well, there was that year that we got lots of rain. <laughs> I didn't get any exercise. <laughs> Hauling my hose. That sounds like something from porno. Too. Yeah, it kind of does. Hauling my hose. I'd like to see that one. In my actually. attempt. Hauling my hose in my attempt for self-discovery. <laughs> we should write a book i've said this many many times if we had written books based on all the ideas we've had for writing books we would be gazillionaires by now what the fuck is wrong with us i mean look at chuck tingle he's just living the good life yeah. chuck tingle's living the good life and we're over here just feeding him ideas yeah his yeah. next book is gonna be hauling my hose god damn <laughs> we really should get on the ball with this shit mm. What else? Um, well, coming of age would be a good way to start. Jeez. We've already come up with the title. I bet somebody else has already done I that one. I was going to say that's probably yeah, the that's name pretty of like generic. eighteen movies. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Being like that one bitch and try to copyright it. Coming of age in Oklahoma. No, that sounds <laughs> awful. Who wants to read that? <laughs> Not me. That's for fucking sure. Listen, I like our depressing sons, books, but our sons have already had to go line. through that. I <laughs> <laughs> don't want to put anybody else through it. I remember back when we said we were going to start guy. writing books based on like every state had their weird uh, monster. Oh yeah, the weird the urban Oklahoma legend monster. Oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the Oakman stories and all of those. I don't yeah. think anybody Rednecks? ever did that. <laughs> I think we still could do it. So. I don't oh, know. Sure legendary. Must have written like a porno hookman story. Porno. So wait, Wyoming has a hookman? No, the, the hookman was from my Delaware days. Oh, oh okay. So, so what? He what monster? Be a around? mad Dupont that they kept on the estates. <gasps> nice. Oh. <laughs> See, that's a little too real for me. I'm sorry. Like that could actually be a thing. A rabbit snipe, maybe. No, that... Says Oklahoma's <laughs> alligator man. Let's see. Alligator Ooh, man. Alligator man. Yeah. He's scaly, but he's satisfying. He's well, scaly, he, but look he, at that tongue. Look <laughs> at that mouth. He's scaly Google everywhere, ladies. You get all kinds of stuff. What did you Google? The hook man. Porno hook man story. Porno oh. hook man. Ooh. Crap. Someone's already done it. Boo. I, well, I'm not sure. There's, there's, I mean, you get Wikipedia's site on the hook or hook man as as the general urban legend and you get where is he hooked stories and versions of the hook man legend and you get a casting call for <laughs> some short oh, horror film i think man. we should write yeah. about the boggy bottom yeah. monster boggy bottom monster alligator man think about all the weird porno crap we could come up with and make like a million make dollars my bottom boggy please Oh, that's awful. (laughs) 
It's what? So I'm just writing my book. It's my my bottom's so moist it's baggy. No. No, I Keith have a would, baggy bottom. Keith would never use the M word. Nope. <laughs> it's fragrant. <laughs> fragrant. Your moist butt is fragrant. No, we're not <laughs> using that word. When you say boggy, the last thing that I think of is fragrant. Well, because I mean... fragrant to me has a connotation of pleasing or pleasant. No. Okay, odoriferous. Odif- odi- odiferous. Odiferous. Od- odiferous. Odiferous. Yes. Please make my boggy bottom odiferous. (laughs) Okay, we're done. (laughs) And that's going to do it for... Three Three Book Book Girls. Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.